0: Hi, friends. Before I jump into today's episode, Principal Matters 181, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up. I've been on the road a lot this week. In fact, today I'm at a conference, and this is my opportunity at lunch to just give a quick summary of thoughts I've been having this week on school leadership. So I hope you don't mind the background noise that you're going to be hearing, but I want to capture this moment because it's the moment I have. I hope you're having a great week, and I hope that you enjoy today's episode. Principal Matters Podcast, episode 181. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about finding your swing, how leadership and teamwork go hand in hand. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at my website at williamdparker.com. Yesterday, I had the privilege of spending an afternoon with a team of new assistant principals. And as we talked about their first semester, they shared the lessons that they've been learning in time management, communication, problem solving, and they're finding their unique places on new teams, understanding their new roles for the first time and learning new lessons every day. Being a school leader involves an overwhelming number of daily tasks, as you know. Requests from teachers for help, situations with students that require thoughtful intervention and assistance, and it is no easy task. And it's certainly not one for the faint of heart. At the same time, it is not one you can accomplish on your own. No amount of self-determination or grit will accomplish as much as what happens when you begin to understand the power of collaborating with others on your team. This reminds me of a book that I've been reading recently by Daniel James Brown called The Boys in the Boat, Nine Americans and Their Epic Quest for Gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. The narrator follows the life of one rower whose name is Joe Rance, whose struggles match the difficulties of so many during the Great Depression. Rance led an especially difficult childhood losing his mother at a young age, being left on his own for much of his youth and teenage years. And his older brother helps him finish school and enroll in Washington State University. But the only way he could afford to attend the college was if he could make the rowing team, which would allow him to work part-time on campus as a janitor at the YMCA. Throughout his training, Joe Rance was noticeably talented. He was strong, intelligent, tenacious, but he was also a loner. And as a result he and his team struggled to find just the right chemistry to be a champion rowing team. Brown, the author describes the ultimate goal of any rowing team to experience what rowers call finding their swing. Finding your swing only happens when rowers understand and execute their own individual roles while also relying on others to execute theirs with such trust and precision that they reach optimal rowing efficiency and speed. In fact, He describes it as an ultimate beauty, joy, or glory in rowing. Now, why is this important for school leaders? Why is developing teamwork one of the most important but difficult tasks of what you do? How is learning to execute your own role as a leader while building a climate where others are willing to rely on each other so important for accomplishing something as beautiful as educating kids? I want to pause there because I just want you to put yourself in for a moment in the mind of a rower. In chapter 10 of the book, Brown gives a description of the teamwork required for rowing that is so poignant but also reminds me a lot of school leadership. So listen to this quote. The greatest paradox of the sport has to do with the psychological makeup of the people who pull oars. Great oarsmen and oarswomen are necessarily made of conflicting stuff, of oil and water, fire and earth. On the one hand, they must possess enormous self-confidence, strong egos, and titanic willpower. They must be almost immune to frustration. Nobody who does not believe deeply in himself or herself, in his or her ability to endure hardship and prevail over adversity, is likely to to even attempt something as audacious and competitive as rowing at the highest levels, end quote. That description reminds me of the qualities that I see in strong leaders. They possess enormous self-confidence, strong egos, and titanic willpowers. They have to be almost immune to frustration at times. But then he goes on, listen to this quote, The sport offers so many opportunities for suffering and so few opportunities for glory that only the most tenaciously self-reliant and self-motivated are likely to succeed at it. And yet at the same time, and this is the key, continuing to quote, no other sport demands and rewards the complete abandonment of the self the way that rowing does. Great crews may have men or women of exceptional talent or strength. They may have outstanding coxswains or stroke oars or bowmen, but they have no stars. The team effort, perfectly synchronized flow of muscle, oars, boat and water, the single whole unified and beautiful symphony that a crew in motion becomes is all that matters not the individual, and not the self, end quote. What I love about Brown's passage in that book is the acknowledgement that achieving hard goals, yes, requires courage and tenacity and self-determination on the one hand, but on the other hand, relying on others is the only way that you really move beyond your own strength to the collective strength of the whole. In other words, courage plus teamwork is what equals the accomplishment of seemingly impossible goals. Brown goes on to describe something Else, that I think is important in this conversation of both courage and teamwork, when the main character Joe Rance finally realizes that he's struggling to find that chemistry with his team, he comes to the important realization that's what what's missing is his trust in his teammates. Because he's been a loner for so many of his so much of his life, he has such a difficult time relying and depending on others. And when this realization begins to happen in Joe Rance, when he finally realizes his need to trust his other teammates, rely on their unique skills and strengths, trust them with his own contributions, and in turn, receive their trust, then this team begins to find their swing, and they move toward the ultimate goal of winning an Olympic gold medal. So this week, I want you to think about some things when it comes to building effective teams. It's just three thoughts I want to leave with you. Number one, avoid the trap of looking for or being the superstar. In Principle Matters podcast episode 41, I referred to a TED Talk by Margaret Heffernan, who speaks about the research of William Muir in an experiment that he did years ago with laying hens, where he theorized that if he could isolate the best layers from flocks of chickens— into super chicken flocks, then he would create the most productive layers in the history of chickens. But what he found instead was that the chickens in untouched flocks were outperforming his super chickens because this flock of exceptional layers was pecking each other to death. And in Heffernan's speech, she explains how this lesson also applies to the research that she's done on what makes productive teams. So the funny hen story actually has some application. And here's three things that she pulls from that. First, strong, productive teams show high degrees of social sensitivity to one another. They're places where people relate and connect with one another socially. Two, these are groups who give equal time to each other without one voice dominating and with no quote-unquote passengers on the team. And finally, the more successful groups are those who have more women on them. In other words, the kind of teamwork that we want happens when we build structures for shared leadership, when we're relying on teams of teachers or students or community members in our decision-making. We are developing openness to others' opinions, equal time to hear many perspectives, and including diverse groups of voices. So number one, avoid the superstar trap. Number two, help others to look outside their own interests. You know, recently I was visiting with a district school leader who told me that she had taken a group of teachers in a bus ride to tour their community, and she drove them into the parts of their city where students were living in the most difficult conditions. She wanted them to see for themselves the kinds of environments that many of their students were facing outside of school. And this perspective was so helpful because when her teachers understood that many of their students were living without electricity or adequate food... They were a lot more compassionate about why those same kids were struggling to finish their homework. And this same mindset applies for all of us. Even though we may have great ideas, it's important that we seek the input and the perspective of others. When we do so, we're going to accomplish a lot more with a mindset of togetherness than simply assuming that we have the best ideas just because we are leaders. So number two, help others to look outside their own interest, including our own. And last, number three, Building trust means being trustworthy. It's easy to talk about trust, but you only build trust through consistent, long-term actions that show that others can trust you. And that means that you avoid empty threats, you keep your promises, you have the backs of those on your team, and if or when you fail, you admit it. You ask forgiveness and you move on. One of the most valuable lessons that I learned as a teacher was when I learned to apologize to my students. What I discovered was their willingness to trust me grew through those moments. They were willing to give me a second chance because I was honest about my mistakes. And as I look back on my decisions as a school leader, many times I've had to do the same thing, to be humble enough to admit when I'm wrong and to pivot my position going forward. Yes, it's a delicate balance to lead with courage while also building a culture of reliance on one another. But at the end of the day, if you are encouraging shared leadership, if your decisions are in line with the core values and goals of your school, then you can sleep well at night, even when not everyone buys in to those decisions. Cultures of trust are things that are require constant nourishment, and resistance to them shouldn't keep us from pushing for higher and higher degrees of collaboration. So let's wrap this up. Finding your swing in leadership, just like rowing in the boys in the boat story, may seem like an elusive or lofty goal. But there is something beautiful that happens in collaboration and teamwork that happens nowhere else. Ultimately, it means that you move from self-determination to the joy of what it's like to be a part of a learning community. And in the process, you rediscover the reason you're an educator and why you're an education leader. Yes, you must have courage to be one. But you also must learn to rely on those around you to be trustworthy and to build communities of trust to lead strong school communities. You know, Daniel Brown's narrative includes this quote as well when he says, quote, Even after the right mixture is found, each man or woman in a rowing boat must recognize his or her place in the fabric of the crew, accept it, and accept the others as they are. It is an exquisite thing when it all comes together in just the right way. The intense bonding and the sense of exhilaration that results from it are what many oarsmen row for, far more than trophies or accolades. But it takes young men or women of extraordinary character as well as extraordinary physical ability to pull it off, end quote. This week, as you're thinking about your leadership, you may feel like you're stepping into places where you're building teams. You may feel like you're on your own. You may dream of that moment when you can reach those parts, those times when you feel like you found your swing. But as you think about your school teams this week, I just want to remind you that those small things you do every single day, they matter. And now it's your turn. As you think about your school teams, I want to ask you this week, what is one thing that you can do to invite more input from your teachers, your students, and your community members so that you're not leading alone? What structures do you have in place to schedule times for shared feedback and reflection? How can you recognize and celebrate the strengths and unique abilities that others bring to your team? Because as I work with school leaders across my state and across the nation, those who recognize their own strengths but recognize the strengths of others and connect those together are the ones that enjoy finding their swing. And I hope you do too. Well, I hope that was helpful this week. If it is, please share this post out with others. If you want to rate this podcast on iTunes, it makes it more noticeable for people that are looking for school leadership podcasts, so I encourage you to do that today. Until next time, I hope you have a fantastic week. Thanks for doing what matters, and I'll talk to you soon. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.